pricing concepts for establishing value pricing is a key part of the value proposition for any purchase. After all, among the other definitions we have used in this book, value reflects the relationship between benefits and costs. When the economy sours and consumer income drops, no sticker prices can escape sharp scrutiny, especially in the supermarket. For example, shoppers on tight budgets still need to buy cleaning supplies, but when they do so, they tend to be much more sensitive to the prices for the various detergents their households need. In such price-sensitive and highly competitive markets, companies must be creative in finding ways to balance profits and consumers. Procter & Gamble PNG, had long floated high above its competitors in the sea of laundry detergents, with its tight brand enjoying a 38% share of the laundry soap market in North America. One however, a wave of lower. Priced competitors crashed into PNG when consumers began looking more actively for better deals. Thrifty shoppers began turning from their trusty tight brand to cheaper alternatives, such as Arm and Hammer detergent, made by Church and White, company not a company to rest on its laurels. PNG pursued several strategic responses to the challenge. For consumers interested in convenience, it introduced, developed, and expanded on the concept of laundry detergent pods single-use packs that eliminate the mess and the need for measuring associated with liquids or powders. Tide's latest pods, which add in February's, even one product of the year in the newly created laundry packs category. Two, although this option has expanded the breadth of Tide's product lines and established an approximately $1 billion market for PNG, the pods create higher per wash costs for consumers. Therefore, for consumers determined to use cheaper detergents, it also has developed and introduced Tide Simply Clean and Fresh, a liquid detergent that retails for about 35% less than the $12 price of a 100-ounce bottle of regular Tide, for in an effort to reduce the risk of sales cannibalization of its premium higher-priced products, P&G makes sure that Simply Clean never appears for sale alongside other Tide brands, nor does it sport the easily recognizable orange Tide-branded container in stores. Simply Clean is placed alongside its competitor brand on store shelves. Despite its higher price point, the primary target markets are consumers from hard-working households, many of whom work in tough, odor-generating jobs and environments. With this approach, P&G can ensure that it never turns its back on its flagship brand. Although P&G's product portfolio is broad, including various detergent brands such as Gain, Era, and Ace, it has chosen to focus where consumers are most invested, namely, in its Tide products. In trying to ensure Tide's market share advantage, P&G has shown its willingness to adjust its regular pricing strategies, develop new products with varying profit margins, and reduce bottle sizes while maintaining the same retail price. In essence, Procter & Gamble is keeping an eye on the way the tides are turning in the laundry detergent market good pricing strategy is such a formidable challenge to all firms. Do it right, and the rewards to the firm will be substantial. Do it wrong, and failure will be swift and severe. But even if a pricing strategy is implemented well, consumers, economic conditions, markets, competitors, government regulations, and even a firm's own products change constantly. And that means that a good pricing strategy today may not remain an effective pricing strategy tomorrow. In this chapter we explain what price is as a marketing concept, why it is important, how marketers set pricing objectives, and how various factors influence price setting. 
then we focus on specific pricing strategies that capitalize on capturing value and the legal and ethical impact of those decisions. Imagine that a consumer realizes that to save money on a particular item, she will have to drive an additional 20 miles. She may determine that her time and travel costs are not worth the savings. So even though the price tag is higher at the nearby store, she judges the overall cost of buying the product close by to be lower. To include aspects of price such as this, we may define price as the overall sacrifice a consumer is willing to make to acquire a specific product or service. This sacrifice necessarily includes the money that must be paid to the seller to acquire the item, but it also may involve other sacrifices, whether non-monetary, such as the value of the time necessary to acquire the product or service, or monetary, such as travel costs, taxes, shipping costs, and so forth, all of which the buyer must give up to take possession of the product. 5. It's useful to think of overall price in this way to see how the narrower sense of purchase price fits in. Because price is the only element of the marketing mix that does not generate costs but instead generates revenue, it is important in its own right. Every other element in the marketing mix may be perfect, but with the wrong price, sales and thus revenue will not accrue. Consumers generally believe that price is one of the most important factors in their purchase decisions. Knowing that price is so critical to success, why don't managers put greater emphasis on it as a strategic decision variable? Price is the most challenging of the four P's to manage, partly because it is often the least understood. Historically, managers have treated price as an afterthought to their marketing strategy, setting prices according to what competitors were charging or, worse yet, adding up their costs and tacking on a desired profit to set the sales price. Prices rarely changed except in response to radical shifts in market conditions. Even today, pricing decisions are often relegated to standard rules of thumb that fail to reflect our current understanding of the role of price in the marketing mix. Price is a particularly powerful indicator of quality when consumers are less knowledgeable about the product category, a lesson brought home by the movie, based on the book of the same name, Moneyball. As the character played by Jonah Hill argues convincingly to Brad Pitt's character, baseball teams often overpay for young, untested talent or big-name players because they don't know how else to set an accurate price. 6. In summary, marketers should view pricing decisions as a strategic opportunity to create value rather than as an afterthought to the rest of the marketing mix. Let us now turn to the 5 basic components of pricing strategies. The 5 C's of pricing. Competition. Costs. Company objectives, customers, channel members' successful pricing strategies are built around the five critical components, the five C's of pricing, found in Exhibit 14.1. We examine these components in some detail because each makes a significant contribution to formulating good pricing policies. 7. To start, the first step is to develop the company's pricing objectives. Company objectives by now, you know the different firms embrace very different goals. These goals should spill down to the pricing strategy, such that the pricing of a company's products and services should support and allow the firm to reach its overall goals. For example, a firm with a primary goal of very high sales growth will likely have a different pricing strategy than will a firm with the goal of being a quality leader. Each firm then embraces objectives that seem to fit with where management thinks the firm needs to go to be successful, in whatever way it defines success. These specific objectives usually reflect how the firm intends to grow. Do managers want it to grow by increasing profits, increasing sales, 
decreasing competition, or building customer satisfaction, company objectives are not as simple as they might first appear. They often can be expressed in slightly different forms that mean very different things. Exhibit 14.2 introduces some common company objectives and corresponding examples of their implications for pricing strategies. These objectives are not always mutually exclusive because a firm may embrace two or more non-competing objectives. Profit orientation even though all company methods and objectives may ultimately be oriented toward making a profit. Firms implement a profit orientation specifically by focusing on target profit pricing, maximizing profits, or target return pricing. Firms usually implement target profit pricing when they have a particular profit goal as their overriding concern. To meet this targeted profit objective, firms use price to stimulate a certain level of sales at a certain profit per unit. The maximizing profits strategy relies primarily on economic theory. If a firm can accurately specify a mathematical model that captures all the factors required to explain and predict sales and profits, it should be able to identify the price at which its profits are maximized. Of course, the problem with this approach is that actually gathering the data on all these relevant factors and somehow coming up with an accurate mathematical model is an extremely difficult undertaking. Other firms are less concerned with the absolute level of profits and more interested in the rate at which their profits are generated relative to their investments. These firms typically tend to target return pricing and employ pricing strategies designed to produce a specific return on their investment, usually expressed as a percentage of sales. Sales orientation firms using a sales orientation to set prices believe that increasing sales will help the firm more than will increasing profits. Tide Laundry Detergent might adopt such an orientation selectively when it introduces new products that it wants to establish in the market. A new health club might focus on unit sales, dollar sales, or market share and therefore be willing to set a lower membership fee and accept less profit at first to focus on and generate more unit sales. In contrast, a high-end jewelry store might focus on dollar sales and maintain higher prices. The jewelry store relies on its prestige image as well as the image of its suppliers, to provoke sales. Even though it sells fewer units, it can still generate high dollar sales levels. Some firms may be more concerned about their overall market share than about dollar sales per se, though these often go hand in hand, because they believe that market share better reflects their success relative to the market conditions than do sales alone. A firm may set low prices to discourage new firms from entering the market, encourage current firms to leave the market and or take market share away from competitors, all to gain overall market share. For example, as low-cost, no-frills airlines such as Frontier and Spirit have changed travelers' perspectives on what prices are reasonable and necessary to pay, the major airlines such as United, American, and Delta have had to work hard to keep increasing their market share. Delta now offers a basic economy fare on most routes that the discount airlines also fly, in exchange for the lower price passengers lose the right to make changes to their itinerary, and they cannot obtain seat assignments in advance. Both American and United have indicated that they are developing similar economy fares to widen the range of prices that their consumers can access. In addition to lowering the prices they charge consumers, the major carriers are seeking to increase the number of seats in each plane, thus increasing their revenue per flight. H yet adopting a market share objective does not always imply setting low prices. Rarely is the lowest price offering the dominant brand in a given market. Heinz Ketchup, Philadelphia Cream Cheese, Crest Toothpaste, 
and Nike athletic shoes have all dominated their markets, yet all are premium priced brands. On the services side, IBM claims market dominance in human resource outsourcing, but again, it is certainly not the lowest. Price competitor, 9 premium pricing means the firm deliberately prices a product above the prices set for competing products so as to capture those customers who always shop for the best or for whom price does not matter. Thus, companies can gain market share by offering a high quality product at a price that is perceived to be fair by its target market as long as they use effective communication and distribution methods to generate high value perceptions among consumers. Although the concept of value is not overtly expressed in sales-oriented strategies, it is at least implicit because, for sales to increase, consumers must see greater value. Competitor orientation When firms take a competitor orientation, they strategize according to the premise that they should measure themselves primarily against their competition. Some firms focus on competitive parity, which means they set prices that are similar to those of their major competitors. Another competitor-oriented strategy, status quo pricing, changes prices only to meet those of the competition. For example, when Delta increases its average fares, American Airlines and United often follow with similar increases. If Delta rescinds that increase, its competitors tend to drop their fares too. 10 value is only implicitly considered in competitor-oriented strategies, but in the sense that competitors may be using value as part of their pricing strategies. Copying their strategy might provide value. Customer orientation A firm uses customer orientation when it sets its pricing strategy based on how it can add value to its products or services. When CarMax promises a no-haggle pricing structure, it exhibits a customer orientation because it provides additional value to potential used car buyers by making the process simple and easy. 11 firms may offer very high-priced, state-of-the-art art products or services in full anticipation of limited sales. These offerings are designed to enhance the company's reputation and image and thereby increase the company's value in the minds of consumers. Paradigm, a Canadian speaker manufacturer, produces what many audiophiles consider to be a high-value product, yet offers speakers priced as low as $320 per pair. However, Paradigm also offers a very high-end speaker for $8,500 per pair. Although few people will spend $8,500 on a pair of speakers, this statement speaker communicates what the company is capable of and can increase the image of the firm and the rest of its products, even that $320 pair of speakers. Setting prices with a close eye to how consumers develop their perceptions of value can often be the most effective pricing strategy, especially if it is supported by consistent advertising and distribution strategies. After a company has a good grasp on its overall objectives, it must implement pricing strategies that enable it to achieve those objectives. As the second step in this process, the firm should look toward consumer demand to lay the foundation for its pricing strategy. Customers when firms have developed their company objectives, they turn to understanding consumers' reactions to different prices. The second C of the five C's of pricing focuses on the customers. Customers want value. And as you likely recall, price is half of the value equation. To determine how firms account for consumers' preferences when they develop pricing strategies, we must first lay a foundation of traditional economic theory that helps explain how prices are related to demand, consumers' desire for products, and how managers can incorporate this knowledge into their pricing strategies. But first read through adding value 14.1.
which considers how Amazon leverages its renowned algorithms to develop a sophisticated value-based pricing strategy. 12 Demand Curves and Pricing A demand curve shows how many units of a product or service consumers will demand during a specific period of time at different prices. Although we call them curves, demand curves can be either straight or curved, as Exhibit 14.3 shows. Of course, any demand curve relating demand to price assumes that everything else remains unchanged. For the sake of expediency, marketers creating a demand curve assume that the firm will not increase its expenditures on advertising and that the economy will not change in any significant way. Exhibit 14.3 illustrates a classic downward sloping demand curve for teeth whitening kits. As price increases, demand for a product or service will decrease. In the case here, consumers will buy more as the price decreases. We can expect a demand curve similar to this one for many, if not most, products and services. The horizontal axis in Exhibit 14.3 measures the quantity demanded for the teeth whitening kits and units and plots it against the various price possibilities indicated on the vertical axis. Each point on the demand curve then represents the quantity demanded at a specific price. So, in this instance, if the price of a kit is $10 per unit, P1, the demand is 1 million units. Q1, but if the price were set at $15, P2, the demand would be only 500,000 units. Q2, the firm will sell far more teeth whitening kits at $10 each than at $15 each. Why? Because of the greater value this price point offers. Knowing the demand curve for a product or service enables a firm to examine different prices in terms of the resulting demand and relative to its overall objective. In our preceding example, the retailer will generate a total of $10 million in sales at the $10 price, $10 1 million units, and $7,500,000 in sales at the $15 price, $15,500,000 units. In this case, given only the two choices of $10 or $15, the $10 price is preferable as long as the firm wants to maximize its sales in terms of dollars and units. But what about a firm that is more interested in profit? To calculate profit, it must consider its costs, which we cover in the next section. But not all products or services follow the downward sloping demand curve for all levels of price depicted in Exhibit 14.3. Consider prestige products or services, which consumers purchase for their status rather than for their functionality. The higher the price, the greater the status associated with it and the greater the exclusivity, because fewer people can afford to purchase it. French luxury goods manufacturer and retailer Hermes is known for making expensive leather goods, but paying $300,168 for a handbag at auction, which is more than the standard retail price of $280,000, is extraordinary, and not for the casual shopper. Of course, the Madame Malayan crocodile handbag was finished using white gold hardware set with 245F color diamonds. 13 with prestige products or services, a higher price may have led to a greater quantity sold, but only up to a certain point. The price demonstrates just how rare, exclusive, and prestigious the product is. When customers value the increase in prestige more than the price differential between the prestige product and other products, the prestige product attains the greater value overall. However, prestige products can also run into pricing difficulties. The Fender Telecaster and Stratocaster guitars are absolute necessities for any self-respecting guitar hero, but for hobbyists or students just learning to play, 
the price of owning a Fender Axe was simply too much. In response, Fender introduced a separate, budget-priced line of similar guitars under a different brand name, so as not to dilute the prestige of the Fender name. The Squire line, made in Japan with automated manufacturing and less expensive parts, offers a look similar to the famous Fender guitars and performance just a notch below the originals. Today, an American-made vintage Hot Rod 57 Fender Stratocaster lists for $1,700, more than 14 times as much as a Squire Bullet Strat model, which retails for around $120.14. Exhibit 14.4 illustrates a demand curve for a hypothetical prestige service, a club med vacation, as the graph indicates. When the price increases from $1,000, P1, to $5,000, P2, the quantity demanded actually increases from $200,000, Q1, to $500,000, Q2, units. However, when the price increases to $8,000, P3, the demand then decreases to $300,000, Q3, units. Although the firm likely will earn more profit selling 300,000 vacation packages at $8,000 each than 500,000 vacation packages at $5,000 each, we do not know for sure until we bring costs into the picture. However, we do know that more consumers are willing to book the vacation as the price increases initially from $1,000 to $5,000 and that more consumers will choose an alternative vacation as the price increases further from $5,000 to $8,000. We must consider this notion of consumers' sensitivity to price changes in greater depth. Price elasticity of demand Although we now know something about how consumers react to different price levels, we still need to determine how consumers respond to actual changes in price. These responses vary depending on the product or service. For example, consumers are generally less sensitive to price increases for necessary items, such as milk because they have to purchase the items even if the price climbs. When the price of milk goes up, demand does not fall significantly, because people still need to buy milk. However, if the price of T-bone steaks rises beyond a certain point, people will buy fewer of them because they can turn to the many substitutes for this cut of meat. Marketers need to know how consumers will respond to a price increase or decrease for a specific product or brand so they can determine whether it makes sense for them to raise or lower prices. Price elasticity of demand measures how changes in a price affect the quantity of the products demanded. Specifically, it is the ratio of the percentage change in quantity demanded to the percentage change in price. We can calculate it with the following formula. Thus, the price elasticity of demand for our teeth whitening kit is 1. In general, the market for a product or service is price sensitive, or elastic, when the price elasticity is less than 1. Thus, an elasticity of minus 5 would indicate that a 1% decrease in price produces a 5% increase in the quantity sold. In an elastic scenario, relatively small changes in price will generate fairly large changes in the quantity demanded. So if a firm is trying to increase its sales, it can do so by lowering prices. However, raising prices can be problematic in this context because doing so will lower sales. To refer back to our grocery examples, a retailer would significantly decrease its sales of steaks by raising its price by a relatively small amount, because T-bones are elastic. The market for a product is generally viewed as price insensitive, or inelastic. When its price elasticity is greater than 1, for example, 
an elasticity of minus 0.50 indicates that a 1% increase in price results in one half a percent decrease in quantity sold. Generally, if a firm must raise prices, it is helpful to do so within elastic products or services, because in such a market, fewer customers will stop buying or will reduce their purchases. However, if the products are inelastic, lowering prices will not appreciably increase demand. Customers just don't notice or care about the lower price. Consumers are generally more sensitive to price increases than to price decreases. 15 that is, it is easier to lose current customers with a price increase than it is to gain new customers with a price decrease. Also, the price elasticity of demand usually changes at different points in the demand curve unless the curve is actually a straight line, as in exhibit 14.3. For instance, a prestige product or service, like our Club Med example in Exhibit 14.4, enjoys a highly inelastic demand curve up to a certain point, so price increases do not affect sales significantly, but when the price reaches that certain point, consumers start turning to other alternatives because the value of the vacation has finally been reduced by the extremely high price. Ideally, firms could maximize their profits if they charged each customer as much as the customer was willing to pay. The travel industry and airlines realize this benefit particularly well, as Marketing Analytics 14.1 explains. For instance, if a wealthy, price-insensitive customer wants to buy a new car, a Ford dealer might like to price a particular car at $40,000, but then price the same car at $35,000 to a more price-sensitive customer. Such a practice is legal when retailers sell to consumers such as in an eBay auction but it is permitted only under certain circumstances and B2B settings. 16 Although charging different prices to different customers is legal and widely used in some retail sectors, such as automobile and antique dealers, it has not been very practical in most retail stores until recently. Retailers have increased their use of dynamic pricing techniques due to the information that is available from point-of-sale data collected on the internet purchases and in stores. As we discussed in adding value 14.1, dynamic pricing, also known as individualized pricing, refers to the process of charging different prices for goods or services based on the type of customer, time of the day, week, or even season, and level of demand. Marketing Analytics 14.2 summarizes some of the emerging effects of this pricing strategy. Factors influencing price elasticity of demand We have illustrated how price elasticity of demand varies across different products and at different points along a demand curve, as well as how it can change over time. What causes these differences in the price elasticity of demand? We discuss a few of the more important factors next. Income effect The income effect refers to the change in the quantity of a product demanded by consumers due to changes in their incomes. Generally, as people's incomes increase, their spending behavior changes, they tend to shift their demand from lower priced products to higher priced alternatives. That is, consumers buy hamburger when they're stretching their money but steak when they're flush. Similarly, they may increase the quantity they purchase and splurge on a 5-star hotel during their 6-day Las Vegas trip rather than 3-star lodging over a weekend visit. Conversely, when incomes drop, consumers turn to less expensive alternatives or purchase less. Substitution effect The substitution effect refers to consumers' ability to substitute other products for the focal brand. The greater the availability of substitute products, the higher the price elasticity of demand for any given product will be. For example, 
there are many close substitutes in the laundry detergent category, as we discussed in the chapter opener. If Tide raises its prices, many consumers will turn to competing brands, for example, Arm & Hammer detergent, because they are more sensitive to price increases when they can easily find lower price substitutes. Extremely brand loyal consumers, however, are willing to pay a higher price, up to a point, because in their minds Tide still offers a better value than the competing brands do, and they believe the other brands are not adequate substitutes. Keep in mind that marketing plays a critical role in making consumers brand loyal, and because of this brand loyalty and the lack of what consumers judge to be adequate substitutes, the price elasticity of demand for some brands is very low. For example, Polo Ray Florin sells millions of its classic polo shirts at $85, while shirts of equal quality but without a polo player logo sell for much less. Getting consumers to believe that a particular brand is unique, different, or extraordinary in some way makes other brands seem less substitutable, which in turn increases brand loyalty and decreases the price elasticity of demand. Skipping cross elasticity of demand and break-even margins. Competition because the 4th C. Competition has a profound impact on pricing strategies. We use this section to focus on its effect, as well as on how competitors react to certain pricing strategies. There are four levels of competition. Monopoly, oligopolistic competition, monopolistic competition, and pure competition, and each has its own set of pricing challenges and opportunities. See Exhibit 14.6. In a monopoly, one firm provides a product or service in a particular industry, which results in less price competition. For example, there is often only one provider of cable television services in each region of the country. Time Warner is in New York, Comcast is in most of New England, and so forth. When Comcast recently proposed a plan to buy Time Warner, the purchase ultimately could not be completed, mostly due to concerns that it would have caused Comcast to become an overly large monopolist with too much power. That is, with the merger, Comcast would have become the primary cable company for more than half of the country. Comcast frequently has been challenged for allegedly seeking to achieve a monopoly that restricts competition by controlling the industry. Were these allegations to be proven conclusively, it legally could be broken apart by the government. 20 When a market is characterized by oligopolistic competition, only a few firms dominate. Firms typically change their prices in reaction to competition to avoid upsetting an otherwise stable competitive environment. Examples of oligopolistic markets include the soft drink market and commercial airline travel. Sometimes reactions to prices in oligopolistic markets can result in a price war, which occurs when two or more firms compete primarily by lowering their prices. Firm A lowers its prices. Firm B responds by meeting or beating Firm A's new price. Firm A then responds with another new price, and so on. In some cases, though, these tactics result in predatory pricing, which occurs when a firm sets a very low price for one or more of its products with the intent of driving its competition out of business. Predatory pricing is illegal in the United States under both the Sherman Antitrust Act and the Federal Trade Commission Act. Monopolistic competition occurs when there are many firms competing for customers in a given market, but their products are differentiated. When so many firms compete, product differentiation rather than strict price competition tends to appeal to consumers. This is the most common form of competition. Hundreds of firms make sunglasses. Thus, the market is highly differentiated. Ray-Ban offers its iconic, thick-rimmed, 
black wayfarer style sunglasses. Oakley sells sunglasses that are sporty, with varied lens colors that promise to protect wearers' eyes better when they are engaging in outdoor activities. For consumers looking for more style, fashion designers such as Prada and Gucci have their own sunglasses. Depending on the features, style, and quality, companies compete for very different market segments. By differentiating their products using various attributes, prices, and brands, they create unique value propositions in the minds of their customers. With pure competition, a large number of sellers offer standardized products or commodities that consumers perceive as substitutable, such as grains, gold, meat, spices, or minerals. In such markets, price usually is set according to the laws of supply and demand. For example, wheat is wheat, so it does not matter to a commercial bakery whose wheat it buys. However, the secret to pricing success in a pure competition market is not necessarily to offer the lowest price, because doing so might create a price war and erode profits. Instead, some firms have brilliantly decommoditized their products. For example, most people feel that all salt purchased in a grocery is the same, but companies like Morton have branded their salt to move into a monopolistically competitive market. When a commodity can be differentiated somehow, even if simply by a sticker or logo, there is an opportunity for consumers to identify it as distinct from the rest, and in this case, firms can at least partially extricate their product from a pure competitive market. Channel members Channel members, manufacturers, wholesalers, and retailers, have different perspectives when it comes to pricing strategies. Consider a manufacturer that is focused on increasing the image and reputation of its brand but working with a retailer that is primarily concerned with increasing its sales. The manufacturer may desire to keep prices higher to convey a better image, whereas the retailer wants lower prices and will accept lower profits to move the product, regardless of consumers' impressions of the brand. Unless channel members carefully communicate their pricing, goals and select channel partners that agree with them, conflict will surely arise. Developing a price that allows all channel members to earn their requisite profits requires careful planning. Imagine that the electric tool manufacturer DeWalt is reconsidering the price of its one-stroke 2-inch, 18-volt, heavy-duty cordless drill that it sells through Ace Hardware stores. Using several pricing experiments, as described in Chapter 10, it determines that the profit-maximizing retail price is $100. See Exhibit 14.7. Ace Hardware is a retailer's cooperative, such that it helps its members achieve economies of scale by buying as a group. In a sense, a retailer's cooperative thus is similar to a wholesaler, except that in this case, the retailers have some control over, and sometimes ownership in, the operation of the cooperative. For Ace Hardware to sell the DeWalt drill to consumers for $100, each retail store must purchase it for $77 at most, to be sure it can earn a 30% profit margin. $77 cost to retailer and 30% profit $77 equals $23 profit, equals $100. The Ace Hardware Cooperative in turn requires a 20% profit margin on its cost, so it must purchase the drill from DeWald for $64. $64 cost to Ace and 20% profit $64 equals $13 profit, equals $77. The drill costs DeWalt $45 to produce, leaving DeWalt a profit of $19, $64 to $45, or 42%, 19 stroke 45, 
which is slightly above its benchmark profit of 40%. As this relatively simple example reveals, determining prices throughout the marketing channel that will enable all channel members to make a reasonable profit requires thought, cooperation, and strong negotiating skills by everyone involved. Pricing strategies A pricing strategy is a long-term approach to setting prices broadly in an integrative effort across all the firm's products, based on the five C's of pricing. In this section, we discuss a number of commonly used price strategies, everyday low pricing, high low pricing, and new product strategies. Two everyday low pricing, EDLP, with an everyday low pricing, EDLP, strategy. Companies stress the continuity of their retail prices at a level somewhere between the regular, non-sale price and the deep discount sale prices their competitors may offer. 22. By reducing consumer search costs, EDLP adds value. Consumers can spend less of their valuable time comparing prices, including sale prices, at different stores. With its EDLP strategy, Walmart communicates to consumers that, for any given group of often purchased items, its prices will tend to be lower than those of any other company in that market. This claim does not necessarily mean that every item that consumers may purchase will be priced lower at Walmart than anywhere else. In fact, some competitive retailers will offer lower prices on some items. However, for an average purchase, Walmart's prices tend to be lower overall. High low pricing An alternative to EDLP is a higher low pricing strategy, which relies on the promotion of sales during which prices are temporarily reduced to encourage purchases. A high-low strategy is appealing because it attracts two distinct market segments, those who are not price-sensitive and are willing to pay the high price and more price-sensitive customers who wait for the low sale price. High-low sellers can also create excitement and attract customers through the get-them-while-they-last atmosphere that occurs during a sale. Sellers using a high-low pricing strategy often communicate their strategy through the creative use of a reference price, which is the price against which buyers compare the actual selling price of the product and that facilitates their evaluation process. The seller labels the reference price as the regular price or an original price. When consumers view the sale price and compare it with the provided reference price, their perceptions of the value of the deal increase. 23 In the advertisement on this page. Coles has provided a reference price, in smaller print and labeled reg, to indicate that $355 is the regular price of a diamond ring. In addition, the advertisement highlights the current sale price of $69.99. Thus, the reference price suggests to consumers that they are getting a good deal and will save money. It is crucial that retailers and manufacturers provide genuine advertised reference prices in their ads and signage. New Product Pricing Strategies Developing pricing strategies for new products is one of the most challenging tasks a manager can undertake. When the new product is similar to what already appears on the market, this job is somewhat easier because the product's approximate value has already been established and the value-based methods described earlier in this chapter can be employed. But when the new product is truly innovative, or what we call new to the world, Determining consumers' perceptions of its value and pricing it accordingly become far more difficult. Two distinct new product pricing strategies are discussed next. Penetration pricing and price skimming. Penetration pricing firms using a penetration pricing strategy set the initial price low for the introduction of the new product or service. Their objective is to build sales, market share, and profits quickly and deter competition from entering the market. 
The low penetration price is an incentive to purchase the product immediately. Firms using a penetration pricing strategy expect the unit cost to drop significantly as the accumulated volume sold increases, an effect known as the experience curve effect. With this effect, as sales continue to grow, the costs continue to drop, in addition to offering the potential to build sales, market share, and profits. Penetration pricing discourages competitors from entering the market because the profit margin is relatively low. Furthermore, if the costs to produce the product drop because of the accumulated volume, competitors who enter the market later will face higher unit costs, at least until their volume catches up with the early entrant. A penetration strategy has its drawbacks. First, the firm must have the capacity to satisfy a rapid rise in demand, or at least be able to add that capacity quickly. Second, low price does not signal high quality. Of course, a price below their expectations decreases the risk for consumers to purchase the product and test its quality for themselves. Third, firms should avoid a penetration pricing strategy if some segments of the market are willing to pay more for the product, otherwise, the firm is just leaving money on the table, price skimming in many markets, and particularly for new and innovative products or services, innovators and early adopters. See chapter 12, are willing to pay a higher price to obtain the new product or service. This strategy, known as price skimming, appeals to these segments of consumers who are willing to pay the premium price to have the innovation first. This tactic is particularly common in technology markets, where sellers know that customers of the hottest and coolest products will wait in line for hours, desperate to be the first to own the newest version. These innovators are willing to pay the very highest prices to obtain brand new examples of technology advances and exciting product enhancements. However, after this high price market segment becomes saturated and sales begin to slow down, companies generally lower the price to capture, or skim, the next most price sensitive market segment, which is willing to pay a somewhat lower price. For most companies, the price dropping process can continue until the demand for the product has been satisfied, even at the lowest price points. The spread of new media for movies illustrates a price skimming strategy. As with VCRs in the 1970s and DVD players in the 1990s, consumers were slow to embrace the new, more expensive Blu-ray discs, but enough early adopters purchased the Blu-ray discs that manufacturers continued to refine Blu-ray players to penetrate wider target markets. Consumers are buying the devices at a faster pace than they did the earlier movie-playing devices. One obvious reason for this sales growth is that prices for high-quality Blu-ray players have dropped below $80.24 down sharply from the $300 plus that retailers charged for debut models. 25 for price skimming to work though. The product or service must be perceived as breaking new ground in some way, offering consumers new benefits currently unavailable in alternative products. When they believe it will work, firms use skimming strategies for a variety of reasons. Some may start by pricing relatively high to signal high quality to the market. Others may decide to price high at first to limit demand, which gives them time to build their production capacities. Similarly, some firms employ a skimming strategy to try to quickly earn back some of the high research and development investments they made for the new product. Finally, Firms employ skimming strategies to test consumers' price sensitivity. A firm that prices too high can always lower the price, but if the price is initially set too low, it is almost impossible to raise it without significant consumer resistance. Furthermore, 
For a skimming pricing strategy to be successful, competitors cannot be able to enter the market easily, otherwise, price competition will likely force lower prices and undermine the whole strategy. Competitors might be prevented from entering the market through patent protections, their inability to copy the innovation. Because it is complex to manufacture, its raw materials are hard to get, or the product relies on proprietary technology, or the high costs of entry. Skimming strategies also face a significant potential drawback in the relatively high unit costs associated with producing small volumes of products. Therefore, firms must consider the trade-off between earning a higher price and suffering higher production costs. Finally, firms using a skimming strategy for new products must face the consequences of ultimately having to lower the price as demand wanes, margins suffer and customers who purchase the product or service at the higher initial price may become irritated when the price falls. Legal and ethical aspects of pricing with so many different pricing strategies and tactics, it is no wonder that unscrupulous firms find ample opportunity to engage in pricing practices that can hurt consumers. We now take a look at some of the legal and ethical implications of pricing. Prices tend to fluctuate naturally and respond to varying market conditions. Thus, Though we rarely see firms attempting to control the market in terms of product quality or advertising, they often engage in pricing practices that can unfairly reduce competition or harm consumers directly through fraud and deception. A host of laws and regulations at both the federal and state levels attempt to prevent unfair pricing practices, but some are poorly enforced, and others are difficult to prove. Deceptive or illegal price advertising Although it is always illegal and unethical to lie in advertising, a certain amount of puffery is typically allowed. See Chapter 18.26 But price advertisements should never deceive consumers to the point of causing harm. For example, a local car dealer's advertising that it had the best deals in town would likely be considered puffery. In contrast, advertising the lowest prices, guaranteed makes a very specific claim and, if not true, can be considered deceptive. Deceptive reference prices previously. We introduced reference prices that create reference points for the buyer against which to compare the selling price. If the reference price is bona fide, the advertisement is informative. If the reference price has been inflated or is just plain fictitious, however, the advertisement is deceptive and may cause harm to consumers. But it is not easy to determine whether a reference price is bona fide. What standard should be used? If an advertisement specifies a regular price, just what qualifies as regular? How many units must the store sell at this price for it to be a bona fide regular price? Half the stock? A few? Just one? Finally, what if the store offers the item at the regular price but customers do not buy any? Can it still be considered a regular price? In general, if a seller is going to label a price as a regular price, the Better Business Bureau suggests that at least 50% of the sales have occurred at that price. 27 loss. Leader pricing Leader pricing is a legitimate tactic that attempts to build store traffic by aggressively pricing and advertising a regularly purchased item, often priced at or just above the store's cost. Loss leader pricing takes this tactic one step further by lowering the price below the store's cost. No doubt you have seen buy one, get one free offers at grocery and discount stores. Unless the markup for the item is 100% of the cost, these sales obviously do not generate enough revenue from the sale of one unit to cover the store's cost for both units, which means it has essentially priced the total for both items below cost, 
unless the manufacturer is absorbing the cost of the promotion to generate volume. In some states, this form of pricing is illegal. Bait and switch another form of deceptive price advertising occurs when sellers advertise items for a very low price without the intent to really sell any. This bait and switch tactic is a deceptive practice because the store lures customers in with a very low price on an item. The bait, only to aggressively pressure these customers into purchasing a higher price model. The switch, by disparaging the low priced item, comparing it unfavorably with the higher price model, or professing an inadequate supply of the lower priced item. Again, the laws against bait and switch practices are difficult to enforce because salespeople, simply as a function of their jobs, are always trying to get customers to trade up to a higher priced model without necessarily deliberately baiting them. The key to proving deception centers on the intent of the seller, which is also difficult to prove. Predatory pricing when a firm sets a very low price for one or more of its products with the intent to drive its competition out of business. It is using predatory pricing. Predatory pricing is illegal under both the Sherman Antitrust Act and the Federal Trade Commission Act because it constrains free trade and represents a form of unfair competition. It also tends to promote a concentrated market with a few dominant firms, an oligopoly. But again, predation is difficult to prove. First, one must demonstrate intent. That is, that the firm intended to drive out its competition or prevent competitors from entering the market. Second, the complainant must prove that the firm charged prices lower than its average cost, an equally difficult task. The issue of predatory pricing has arisen anew because of Google's dominance in the search engine market. Advertisers on Google bid on specific keywords, if they win the auction, their product appears first in the paid results section on the search engine. However, Google also includes a quality handicap and charges poor quality advertisers more. It claims this tactic ensures that users are more likely to find high quality results from their searches. The algorithm it uses to define quality is confidential, but some experts allege that Google has manipulated the paid search results in such a way that it undermines competitors' offerings while promoting its own. It appears these claims may be true. In 2012 the Federal Trade Commission, FTC, found enough evidence for search results manipulation that it recommended the government sue Google, and in 2013 a European Commission came to similar conclusions. 28 Despite significant documented evidence against Google, the FTC decided to close the case in 2015. 29 The unresolved question is, because of Google's dominance in the search engine market, with its resulting ability to control prices, would its practice of charging more for its quality handicap be predatory? Price discrimination There are many forms of price discrimination, but only some of them are considered illegal under the Clayton Act and the Robinson-Patman Act. When firms sell the same product to different resellers, wholesalers, distributors, or retailers, at different prices, it can be considered price discrimination. Usually, larger firms receive lower prices. Quantity discounts are a method of charging different prices to different customers on the basis of the quantity they purchase. The legality of this tactic stems from the assumption that it costs less to sell and service 1,000 units to one customer than 100 units to 10 customers. But quantity discounts must be available to all customers and not be structured in such a way that they consistently and obviously favor one or a few buyers over others. The Robinson-Patman Act does not apply to sales to end consumers, at which point many forms of price discrimination occur. For example, 
students and seniors often receive discounts on food and movie tickets, which is perfectly acceptable under federal law. Those engaged in online auctions like eBay are also practicing a legal form of price discrimination, because sellers are selling the same item to different buyers at various prices. Price fixing Price fixing is the practice of colluding with other firms to control prices. Price fixing might be either horizontal or vertical, whereas horizontal price fixing is clearly illegal under the Sherman Antitrust Act, vertical price fixing falls into a gray area. 30 Horizontal price fixing occurs when competitors who produce and sell competing products or services collude, or work together, to control prices, effectively taking price out of the decision process for consumers. This practice clearly reduces competition and is illegal. Six South African airlines were accused of colluding to hike the price of fares for flights within the country during the World Cup. 31 The major tobacco companies also have been accused of colluding to fix the prices of cigarettes worldwide. 32 As a general rule of thumb, competing firms should refrain from discussing prices or terms and conditions of sale with competitors. If firms want to know competitors' prices, they can look at a competitor's advertisements, its websites, or its stores. Vertical price fixing occurs when parties at different levels of the same marketing channel. For example, manufacturers and retailers agree to control the prices passed on to consumers. Manufacturers often encourage retailers to sell their merchandise at a specific price, known as the manufacturer's suggested retail price, MSRP. Manufacturers set MSRPs to reduce retail price competition among retailers, stimulate retailers to provide complementary services, and support the manufacturer's merchandise. Manufacturers enforce MSRPs by withholding benefits such as cooperative advertising or even refusing to deliver merchandise to non-complying retailers. The Supreme Court has ruled that the ability of a manufacturer to require retailers to sell merchandise at MSRP should be decided on a case-by-case basis, depending on the individual circumstances. 33 According to the U.S. Department of Justice, Apple and several publishing agencies have engaged in vertical price fixing as outlined in Ethical and Societal Dilemma 14.1. As these legal issues clearly demonstrate, pricing decisions involve many ethical considerations. In determining their pricing strategies and their pricing tactics, marketers must always balance their goal of inducing customers, through price, to find value and the need to deal honestly and fairly with those same customers, whether another business or an individual consumer. Buyers can be influenced by a variety of pricing methods. It is up to marketers to determine which of these methods works best for the seller, the buyer, and the community. Gray market pricing channels can be very difficult to manage, and distribution outside normal channels does occur. A gray market employs a regular but not necessarily illegal methods. Generally, it legally circumvents authorized channels of distribution to sell goods at prices lower than those intended by the manufacturer. 34 men are manufacturers of consumer electronics therefore require retailers to sign an agreement that demands certain activities and prohibits others before the retailers may become authorized dealers. But if a retailer has too many high-definition televisions in stock, it may sell them at just above its own cost to an unauthorized discount dealer. This move places the merchandise in the market at prices far below what authorized dealers can charge and in the long term may tarnish the image of the manufacturer if the discount dealer fails to provide sufficient return policies, support, service, and so forth. To discourage this type of gray market distribution, 
Many manufacturers have resorted to large disclaimers on their websites, packaging, and other communications to warn consumers that the manufacturer's product warranty becomes null and void unless the item has been purchased from an authorized dealer. Another method is to equalize worldwide prices, so the gray market advantage evaporates, as we describe in Ethical and Societal Dilemma 14.2.